Welcome to season two of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're talking all about women at work. So let's get started with today's expert. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm super excited to have my guest, Lara Millward, on the show. Lara is a mom, an entrepreneur, a neuroleadership coach, a fitness coach, and head of community at Shine for Women. And welcome, Lara. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you, Kate, and terrific to meet you. It was really nice to connect with you on LinkedIn, and I'm glad we finally found some time to talk together. Absolutely, absolutely. I have to start by asking you about your fantastic tagline. I just love it because I'm a real believer in movement, a lover of movement, and your tagline is, I move, therefore, I think. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, thank you, and thank you for spotting that, Kate. It is something that I'm actually quite passionate about because I think there is so much more to our bodies than a lot of our Western society have come to think about them as. So we've often, especially as women, been defined as a sum of our parts, and that being how long your legs are, what your boobs look like, very much fixated on the aesthetics of the body, whereas the athletics um, and the impact on your mind is such an incredible um, you know, we're such an incredible bit of kit. We are a miracle of science. And what movement does for us, and that we are designed to move, and I think that the, the uh, obesity crisis, the mental health crisis, and a lot of the things that we're seeing in the world are because we were not designed to sit and swipe right. We were designed to move. And when we move well, and that doesn't mean you have to be a marathon runner, and it doesn't mean you have to be an expert at anything. It's just that movement every day, heart rate up, delivering more blood to the brain, does extraordinary things. We've identified a protein called a myokine, which is produced by regular muscle movement, and that has antidepressant and anti-anxiety effects. We get this wonderful mix of neurotransmitters, the dopamine, which is the chemical for intrinsic motivation. As you said to a minute ago, the endorphins that make you feel good, endocannabinoids that have that pain-free delight, the same sort of thing that cannabis might deliver to us, the the feel-good factors that happen when we move. The hippocampus grows. We've got better memory if we're exercised. So the link between brain and body, it almost feels like how as we as society become so removed from our biology that we're having to learn to eat well and move well again, which to me seems like one of the most simple and beautiful gifts we've been given You know, to exercise is a gift. If you are able-bodied and healthy and well and able to move, it's a gift and it's a joy. And 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 it's, for me, I would actually argue, deals with most of our societal malaise at the minute. I think the physical element, movement, is the the exercise as medicine. Hippocrates said it in 400 BC, yet we seem to still be learning this. So um, um, as you can tell, I'm hugely passionate about movement um, for all of us, for our physical and mental health. Mm. You are speaking my language. I have goosebumps. Um, I absolutely agree with your message and everything that you've just said. And what I love is I don't meet a lot of other people who talk specifically about movement rather than exercise or physical Mm. activity. Can you Mm. tell me why you're using that term? Um, very good question because I would like to be inclusive and I would like to help people remove a lot of the labels. So in my work as a fitness coach, I've seen lots of people come to me with those labels. I can't, 
I won't, I'm not good enough, I don't look this way, fitness looks this way, gyms look this way, and all the labels and the stories that we tell ourselves about what exercise and fitness should look like. And in fact, it really is just about moving. And for some people, walking, walking is a wonderful thing to do. 15% more blood to the brain. It's the best sort of alpha weight, alpha wave state we can be in to come to insights. I don't know if you've noticed, Kate, but I walked the other day. And in that hour of walking, I was able to process so many things I was thinking about and actually come to a conclusion that I can't never come to when I'm at my desk being forced to be task oriented. Mm, which is that gamma wave state, do, 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 task, you know. And actually when you get a time to flow and a lovely meditative, you you talked about meditation and and the meditation of movement, you know, that regular rhythm is a lovely place for us all to actually process what's going on for me, what's coming up for me here, you know, the Mm. walk and talk idea. So that's why I try to use the word movement to be diverse and inclusive, but also to, to help change the story, I think, around what, exercise and fitness needs to be. Mm, Love it. So one thing I'm really also interested in, in your bio, in your background, is this idea of you being a neuroleadership coach. Can you tell me how you came to do the work that you're doing today? Yes, thank you. And thank you for asking. Um, It was a word I didn't know either a couple of years ago. So it kind of puts into context what we've just been talking about. In the 11 years that I was training a community of men and women physically, and it was outside and, you know, that sort of group exercise, I noticed, Kate, how many people were changing who they were and the words they used about themselves and, in fact, transforming their story because they were getting through something they thought they couldn't. Whether that was running up a hill, whether that was 10 squats, whether that was a five-kilometer What was happening was people were saying, oh, my God, I feel so different. But I don't just feel different. I'm thinking differently. I'm thinking differently about myself and I'm behaving differently in all aspects of my life. So I was like, what's actually going on here? You know, we've all, you know, the link between physiology and psychology, but also what's happening in the brain? What's transforming these people's stories? So I wanted to start digging around into what was going on, but also it's so much more fitness coaching than just the body. So could you then start coaching, for example, people in different environments, in working environments, corporate environments, for example, in the same way you train a physical muscle about practice and strengthening and repeat? So I came across the Neuroleadership Institute in New York, and I thought, that sounds brilliant. It's taking the neurology looking at how we all lead our lives. Um, And I wanted to know how they then coach people. So I just joined the course, jumped in. I always always do things by gut feel. It felt good. And I wanted to know, would that marry that sort of coaching with the physical coaching? And if you could put those together, how powerful might that be when we're coaching teams, leaders, women, students, talking to our children? You know, I, I feel it's helped me better talking to myself, better talking to my husband, better looking after my children. So yeah, that's how it came to be. So I'm two years in and I've nearly finished my brain-based coaching certificate to go alongside the body-based coaching certificate. Wow. Amazing. And so in that work that you're doing, do you notice any sort of commonalities with women? You know, in on my podcast, I tend to talk about 
midlife and older women and some of the challenges that that group faces. We know that they have um, higher role demands than any other group, that their stressors are much higher. Do you notice any commonalities when you're doing that kind of coaching? Um, Yes, I would say, of course, menopause. I'm 51, nearly 52, uh, going through the menopause. So I think the menopause for a lot of women Again, the physical and mental, so people talking about feeling anxious and depressed, as well as having the hormonal changes that bring about hot flushes. So dealing with that in the workplace and the mental side of that, how I'm feeling about myself, um, impacts the gremlins we all have, you know, the self-limiting beliefs about what we can achieve and what we don't. And then as you alluded to, I think that's a really big one, the having children and then suddenly parents. So you become this multi-needed person who is often, and I've found with the women I work with, always wanting to give and support and be there for everyone and having very little time actually for herself. And sometimes when you are having that time for yourself, in come those gremlins that are, I'm menopausal, I'm tired, I feel depressed or anxiety, and almost they become almost self-limiting beliefs, I think. So I think there's Again, it's a physical, isn't it? A physical and a mental thing going on here for women in, in, in midlife. And the other thing I tend to notice was the, the network of supporters. You know, who's championing me? Who's really on my side? Whether I'm in a corporate environment or I'm in motherhood group, whichever, whatever's your community, is we tend to try and be the goddess of everything, I think. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure. I know I've done that. And when I have taken the time to reach out and ask for help, it's been really worthwhile, but I've tended to try and do it all myself. I'm dealing with the physical syndromes of menopause, for example. I'm dealing with the children. I'm dealing with my elderly parents. And, you know, I'm the same. My father really needs me at the moment. But I'm trying to do it all myself and be really good at it. And for some reason, we hold ourselves to the standard. You've got to be good at it all and keep the house tidy and have a good job and be fit. But often it's, it's not possible and actually reaching out to people and say, even can I talk about it? Or are you going through it as well? And then that's when community can really come to the fore. But you've also got to take that step, I think, and be vulnerable and say, you know, help. Or please, can I share? Has anyone else got any tips on getting through this? Mm, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I read the other day, it's really interesting what you're saying about reaching out um, and, you know, building your community it was just such an interesting piece of research around how women deal with some of these multiple role demands and that men move towards their work, right? Mm. So if they feel like they're, um, they're being pulled in too many directions, they just focus on work, whereas women focus on strengthening relationships. So I'm wondering when you hear that and you think about that, what you think it, that employers could do in terms of supporting women in this age group? Mm. That's a really good question. I think enabling networks for women. I think if there are still lots of men in the senior positions, I think this whole idea of he for she is addressing the question, labeling it, talking about menopause in the workplace, talking about midlife, um, and supporting those networks to exist within within companies. You know, there's more and more I've noticed 
whether you're a woman in finance or women in tech. There's one in London that I spoke to the other day, women on the wharf that are bringing women together across industries, but they all work, work in Canary Wharf in London. Wow. Um, and I think creating those communities, if you can do that and support that actively, you know, as a champion, champions for women don't just need to be women for women. They can be men for women as well, or, or whichever gender you are, but just supporting so that I think everyone, you know, the brain is social. Our social networks, evidence apparently saying, is as important in Maslow's hierarchy of needs as food, shelter, water. That social need to be in a group or in tribe. And if you're not in a group, that social pain is felt in the same area as your brain as physical pain. So I've, I've noticed that really, um, slightly going off a tangent, sorry, Kate, but I really noticed that with my teenagers when they weren't part of a group and the pain that they felt. And it really is as strong as a physical pain when you're not, when you're excluded or cancelled or these other awful things that are going on. It is a real pain, a real life pain. Um, and that just, show, again, shows how social we are. Um, and how we need that community and that support. And when it's there, then you get your creative, comfortable, supported employees. They're all going to be in that, the brain's going to be in a reward state. You're going to get creative, innovative behaviors, not defended, threatened behaviors. Mm. So I'm going to assume that that's really, that would really apply to that idea of gendered ageism. So that, you know, when women get older, they have this intersection of age and gender where they do feel like they're maybe not part of the group, that maybe they yeah. are suffering from some of that pain. Would, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I would. And when you say it like that, that's a really nicely highlighted, Kate, because actually that means even more so. And there's definitely a move in London about calling it out, calling out menopause and midlife and labeling it um, and supporting it. Because, yes, you're right we can easily feel outside, like you say, outside the group, outside the, the outside being able to rise maybe within an organization because you're feeling, like you say, the, the gender, if there's not other women in there that are senior, there's not other role models there within your company and you're feeling, like you say, worried about that, but then you're also feeling gosh, is it too late for me? Am I too old? All those other stories. And, and those self-limiting beliefs get stronger, I think. Mm. And then I wonder about that overlay of some of the um, issues that women deal with during menopause. So things like brain fog or mm. not being able to sleep properly. And then, you know, having that worry as well about not being as relevant at work. Is that something yeah. that you can see as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, what I have noticed with the people dealing with brain fog, anxiety, sweats, um, and sometimes the depression and anxiety that comes with it, one of the main things I felt myself and a lot of people in my network have is that exercise and movement, she says, <laughs> playing that card again but it is so absolutely true I can honestly say that with myself with the heat that goes through the body the lifting and strength work I only took up CrossFit a few years ago but it's really helped my anxiety and the heat a couple of friends of mine have used cold water therapy and swimming has really helped them through um 
looking at your diet. I know that the um, breast cancer doctor I spoke to said that at this age, with a change in our hormones, etc., the best things we can do for ourselves is to watch what you're eating, remove the wine and as much sugar and exercise. Mm-hmm. Really, really important to help those symptoms. And I know that some people really, really suffer. Um, but I do believe, and I will stand by that statement, that movement really can help. Now, finding what's the best for you, but we're also losing muscle mass. We want to look after our bone density. So again, bringing in some strength and resistance training, um, I think is really important at this stage. Absolutely. One of the things that concerns me a little when I think about uh, movement programs in the workplace is that they're really designed for a younger population. Um, I'd just love to get your opinion on this, thinking about things like bone density and sarcopenia, you know, that sort of shrinking muscle mass. Do you think that this is something that employers need to be aware of in terms of how safe those programs are for women as they go through the menopausal transition? Mm. So I actually think it's a bit like when someone comes to you and says, I want to get stronger, you know, give me a program. There is no one size fits all in the same sense that menopause doesn't affect and aging doesn't affect all women the same. So there are some women doing CrossFit into their 80s and 90s. There's some people marathon running. So in that sense, I would be careful to do the one size fits all idea. I would also say that I'd love as we talked about language and labeling and the stories we tell ourselves, aging isn't about frailty and decrease and lack of, it doesn't necessarily have to be a taking away from you. So if we think about it differently, there are lots of people that can do spin classes or hit classes or all sorts of things at whatever age, as long as it's relevant to your history. So if you haven't ever done running, you're not suddenly going to go to a sprint class whatever age you are. So I think there's some reframing and some looking at stories differently that we could all use to make us feel better and make us feel in control of our next step. I take your question, if you're an employer or a gym and you're labeling classes and you're, the way you're marketing classes, that can be done in a certain way to make people feel included and safer to come. But I do believe that lots of people can do lots of things irrespective of age, gender, class, race, creed, you know, and that body is a magnificent piece of kit. The starting point, however, has to be relevant to you and your experience, as it would be in a job, Kate. You know, we wouldn't suddenly say to someone that had just started at work, hey, go be the CEO. You know, you've got to get there in steps. Absolutely. Love it. I'm going to switch gears on you just a little bit because I really want to hear about Shine for Women um, and the work that you're doing there. Can you tell me about that position and that organization? Yeah, absolutely. Shine for Women was developed to coach and support women to be more confident on the inside so that they can be more influential on the outside. So it's very much about making business human. The more women we have in leadership roles, the more women that are confident to go for leadership roles the more we believe organizations will be more human, more empathic. And also a lot of the evidence says their bottom line increases. So it's, it's a win-win for everyone. So very much about making business human. It's based around coaching and workshops that we bring women from different organizations together 
they go through the Shine program, uh, and we're really working on building confidence and influence and making a difference in the world. We've now developed a digital platform called Shine On, which we'd love to have on every phone around the world so we can give all women the access to confidence and influence and really to play their bigger game, make bold moves and, and make the world a better place. Wow. I love that. So if, if organizations were thinking about this idea of making women um, more confident of some of the things that you've talked about in terms of all of the things that we've talked about, including yeah. your work at um, Shine for Women, what sort of steps would they need to take? Again, I'm thinking of that midlife and older group. What sort mm -hmm. of things should they be thinking about just overall? With regard to the Shine's work? What, what just all of the things that you've talked about overall. So the, you know, more getting more movement in terms of um, physical and mental health yeah. and then building confidence, all of these things that would be helpful in terms of supporting those employees. Mm. I think in supporting people in general, I think we know that people will be working longer, we're living longer. I think if an organization is going to look at its whole culture in the sense that everyone in that organization, they would love to feel, is on a journey to better. So your employees feel better about themselves, they're going to work better, they're going to be loyal, and they're going to help you progress I think that's just a human condition. We want progress, whatever it is we're doing. Everyone wants to move forward, bigger, better, faster. So how do we do that? Investing in, if you've got people there, they're part of you, you've already invested in bringing them in, helping them feel healthier, that they're learning, that there's growth involved, that you're investing in them is only gonna get the best out of your people. It's putting them all in that reward state. And there's small things that can happen you know, allowing well-being at work. And I know companies are getting better at that. Addressing the issues that people feel from mental health to menopause, label them, create those networks. We're so all connected digitally. It isn't that hard actually to put a group together now. And also offering those learning and development programs. We're invested in you. What growth would you like to see? Asking them from, from different age groups, different genders, different, what, what does this company need to do to make you feel safe, to make you feel trusted, to make you feel that we invested in your growth? Those are such great suggestions. And it sounds like you're doing just amazing, important work in the world. Where can our listeners find out more about the work that you're doing? Uh, it's kind of UK. So Shine for Women. It's the four being the number four. Shineforwomen.com is the website. You can find the Shine On app and the App Store. And you can find a little bit of me. I'm at Laura Millward and lauramillward.com. Um, but very much the theme of health and supporting women and championing women since I started at the House of Commons on an all-party committee for women's health care is that strengthening women, championing women, bringing them together is and... Uh, is a passion of mine, as you can probably tell. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I'll be putting some information in our show notes to make sure that, you know, if anybody missed anything that you were talking about, that they'll be able to find you there. So thank you so much again. Thank you very much, Kate. Really great to meet you.
Nice to meet you too. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.